Falls Provincial Park. It is oh, Sunday, September 19th, the day before the election here in Canada, just after 5 p.m. And I'm sitting at my campsite, number 104, looking, well, through the trees at the Sobel River. Uh, probably the nicest camping spot I've had all summer, and I've had a lot. I was thinking this might be my last trip. I hope it's not. Um, the weather's still good, but uh, yeah, I usually manage to get a trip in October. I'll, I'll certainly try. I love the cooler weather. Camping is beautiful. Uh, but today is one of those perfect days. I'm looking up at a blue, blue, blue sky. It's just incredible. Not a cloud anywhere. Just blue Above this line of green, I'm deep in trees. These are mostly, they look like giant cedars. I don't know what else. Trees I don't recognize. Um, anyway, it's a nice spot. I arrived, uh, I took the long way here. I had I had two choices. One, one route took me, ooh, just under two hours. But that meant starting off on the 401 and going up the 410. I am in the, it's an area called the South Bruce Peninsula. And it's right on um, Lake Huron. Sobel Falls, there's a town called Sobel Falls and it's a very long sandy beach. Um, I am not there. I'm in the very small uh, provincial campground, which is very popular and often hard to get. And I just um, took the chance. And um, found two nights, and it turned out to be <laughs> at one of those prize camp spots. You don't want somebody across from you, and I'm uh, between the two that are beside me. I, I'm I'm surrounded by these tall hedges, so you don't even see your neighbors. Quite nice. Ah, uh, I don't have a whole lot to say. I'm on my uh, second beer of the day. I arrived and started off with the uh, steam whistle. And I'm now drinking a Great Lakes uh, pumpkin ale. I can't say I'm thrilled about it. Um, I've had these before. You, you know, fall comes, everybody's getting their pumpkin lattes and things. I thought, well, I better get pumpkin beer. Uh, beer brewed with pumpkin and spices. So there's definitely, you taste the spices. I mean, you taste the pumpkin and the spices. I suppose for some people this would be near perfect. Great Lakes Brewery is generally pretty good. But, um, taste, I don't know, maybe over, I was going to say chemically to me. That's not quite right. Maybe artificial would be a better, better word. And, um, yeah. The opposite of, uh, what do you call it, when they have to actually, uh, a cask ale that's sort of non-carbonated. This this has just got almost too much added to it. But, hey, I wanted to change. I need, I'm a creature of change. I need variety. Not for me, uh, you know, a six-pack of all the same, which I've tried. It doesn't work for me. <sighs> My God, there are big. There, there is bigger news. I'm going to share that with you because if you tuned, if you listened to the podcast before this, uh, to me it was very big news. It was my son's visit, and him telling me I had to start thinking very seriously about the future, and the state of my health, and the inevitable degeneration and, uh, and trouble I would have, you know, getting up and down stairs and so on, and that it was time to think for the future and all of that. And I, I shared that with you and I talked about that. And um, yesterday, after just finishing the podcast number uh, 
361. I guess 360 I never put out. That was the uh, one from Mossport. I still haven't done that, and I probably won't. I don't know. You know, is it really worth it? Does it matter to anybody out there? I don't think so. Um, anyway, I, I spoke to my wife about it. She was she had gone on. I had a job that I was going to do, which was to get my son to uh, get hold of some sharp shears and knives and hatchets and whatever we needed to chop away at the ivy climbing up the walls of my house and, you know, onto the eaves troughs and veranda. And um, this was yesterday, Saturday. And my wife said, I'm going to do some gardening work. And I went out, and there she was, having finished the entire job. This is something that would take my son and both of us two days or something. She did the whole thing in an afternoon. Uh, She's just remarkable. Anyway, I did the little I could do was hold the bags while she stuffed in all the clippings, and there was a lot of them. You know, we filled four bags full of the stuff that she had cut down and torn off the wall. So now, technically, I guess the ivy is cut off from its roots and and should die and be able to either be pulled off at a later date or whatever. I don't know, but uh, that was the uh, the recommendation I had. Yeah, cut it about four feet off the ground. And uh, be done with it. So, anyway, poor uncle did all that herself, but doesn't complain or anything else. She's uh, she's a worker, and she's healthy and hearty. And uh, Anyway, I spoke to her while we were out there, and I said, you know, uh, would you live in a bungalow? Because that's how I ended off the last podcast, talking to you about the ridiculous prices of bungalows in... Um, in uh, Scarborough, thinking, you know, how I want to know how would she feel about that option, and and I'm kind of I've resigned myself to the fact. Oh my God, I'll have to leave Scarborough because it's just it's just you know it just would be crazy to spend that much money, eight hundred thousand or whatever, after selling ours for something else that we'd have to sell, but would be you know I'm I could see the market in market value of bungalows like that dropping in future and sort of losing on the investment anyway she said well the other option is to uh to um make changes to this house to accommodate your needs and we could stay here and it was like wow you know a bright light shines in on this picture and says hey here's another choice i like it here my wife i think likes it here it's a great location Plenty of room with the extra bedrooms, and why not um, make changes? And she said, "Yeah, we, you know, we could do that. Invest the money or borrow the money, and um, make you know, put in a downstairs, a main floor, bathroom and shower. You know, handicap access, a stand-up thing, no bathtub." And I'm thinking, "Oh, yeah." And then I thought about it a little further, maybe the next day. Well, that would be today. So, maybe last night. How about doing that in the basement? It would make more sense for the plumbing and everything else to go down to the basement. Our basement is one simple straight stairway. The The stairway going upstairs sort of takes a, a right angle turn. And the one going down to the basement would be very easy to put one of these electric motor chairs that you just sit on, push a button, and it takes you up and down. You know, the the one the kinds they advertise on TV all the time. I'm the king of my own castle once again. That um, my sons always laugh at and say, Dad, you're going to need one of those. Well, um, not so funny, because uh, I probably would. But that would open up, that would be a wonderful thing to be able to, to and I could move down to the basement, move my bedroom down to the basement where I'm, I should spend more time anyway, and I think, well, I've got all my books, my library, my bar. Why not take over the basement, and uh, and then have if I had this access to uh, a full full working washroom down there, and just this little way to get up and downstairs, it would be the least problem in terms of making changes in the house. You wouldn't want it. There's no room on the main floor without taking out a room. And, you know, that's not going to hurt the resale value of a house. So I felt 
tremendously relieved at the prospect of well then maybe we don't have to sell a deal with that deal sell the house when, when we do have to sell it and meanwhile meanwhile she gave me the name of a home in uh, Scarborough that a good her Japanese friend who's a social worker recommended and these are places where you can get various levels of of help you know right down to uh, probably they probably even deal with Alzheimer's, but there are other, you know, just some physical needs, some some meals, four different categories, I think, of, of living, you know, assisted living, right down to being independent apartments. Uh, and so I signed up, put my name in. My wife said, this is something else you should do while I'm holding the bag and she's stuffing all the stuff in. That's when we had our conversation. And she's saying, well, this place was recommended. They have a long waiting list. It takes years. And uh, as soon as I went in the house, I went online, found it, said, wow, that place looks great. It's in Scarborough. And that could be a solution down the road. But to have put in an application now, of course, the next process is would they accept you and, and uh, interviews and everything else. And I'm sure I could certainly ace any interview and seem like, hey, I'm the kind of person you'd want in this facility you're running. So um, that's progress. And I, and I just I wanted to start off with that for anybody listening to the last one. Think, oh, my God, what's happening to Ken's life? It's all falling to pieces. Um, and it, it probably felt that way a little bit for me in terms of selling one house and buying another. And now the idea of, no, just stay in the house we got, which is great. And excellent location, close to the GO train close to a, a number nine Bellamy Road bus, um, lovely neighborhood, stay here and just uh, change the house to uh, to meet the needs that I I'll, that I'll may have in future. So there you go. I, I, again, I I'm sometimes feel, oh my God, I'm sharing too much. Often it's just my inner thoughts and maybe some outrageous political views or anti-religious views or this and that. And sometimes it's close to home and personal and family related, um, but you know, hey, it's it's it's. I've put out, you know, eight hundred and sixty of these already. Uh, I don't think it's time for me to sort of say, Ooh, I better rein myself in a little bit here and uh, be careful what I say in future." So I'm going to go back to my beer and my book, and. Uh, the sunshine, it's now I'm all in shade. It was uh, very sunny. I had to put the awning up. But um, it's a lovely day and will be lovely for quite a while. I've got enough wood for one fire tonight, and I could buy wood tomorrow if I needed, but we'll see. Scarborough Dude signing up from, or signing off from an absolutely wonderful provincial park, Sobble Falls, way up on the uh, Bruce Peninsula. Bye for now. Check, check. Good morning. Oh, boy. It is election day in Canada. I'm glad I uh, voted early. And uh, don't have to worry about that. That's probably one of the reasons why I got a spot here at the campsite. Um, people going back to vote. I don't know. <laughs> if that factors in, doesn't matter. You just need to know that we're having an election here. Um, I'll predict a liberal minority uh, working with the NDP, which I think is sort of what we had before uh, Trudeau called the election, which I think was a mistake. And uh, he's definitely lost uh, a few a few points uh, from me in, in that regard. And uh, who knows? I don't know who else. Well, yeah, well, I talked with somebody else. Who was it? The uh, the woman? Is it Christine De Freeland or something like that? Uh, gosh, who did I have that conversation with? Oh, maybe John Meadows. I don't know. Sometimes talk politics with John. Um, stepping up and taking his place. And I think, wow, yeah, woman prime minister with somebody really competent. And uh, as far as we know, no scandal behind her. Anyway, that's for the future. That won't happen yet. Not, no, I mean, that could if Trudeau lost this election. Anyway, enough politics. 
I haven't had my coffee yet. I'm just gonna. First thing I do is get my juice and uh, swallow my pills in the morning. And uh, it's always nice to you know, just open the fridge. There's your grape juice. There's your apple juice. What do you want? What do you need? It's a damp, damp, cool morning. Uh, some cloud overhead, but I'm pretty damn sure the sun is going to burn through all this. And we'll be in for another very warm, sunny day. Slept pretty well, I think. Yeah, overall. Crazy, I had my uh, supper at around 11 o'clock. I built a fire. I, I didn't buy any firewood. And so I used basically everything I had. Um, I just saved some kindling. I could buy a bag today, but that would mean having to crank in the awning, unplug the road track, put the plug away, drive over, and then come back and set the whole thing up again, which, I, you know, is not difficult to do. Five minutes work, ten at most. But, yeah, you know, maybe I'll do without a fire, or maybe I'll uh, join somebody else's fire. That would be the nice thing to do. Anyway. Uh, it was enjoyable. It was pleasant. Uh, what I did, it's a weird thing. Uh, Norm MacDonald, the Canadian comedian, died uh, recently. Uh, a few days ago, I guess. I guess he had, I think he had been sick. It never sounded very healthy anyway. Um, and I, I was, I'll just remember him from Saturday Night Live. And I've seen him here and there. And I never liked the news update thing on Saturday Night Live. I never enjoyed that. I haven't enjoyed the show for a very, very long time. and uh, But he was part of that group for a while with some of the others. And I guess I just didn't know him that well, but I know his, his storytelling uh, tended to be a long, crazy story to get to a very poor joke. But that was the joke in itself, was his way of telling a boring story. It was a definite style of humor. Um, and so I heard, uh, Jason, I guess maybe he played a clip on his podcast up in this brain and I certainly, I went looking for him and I saw there was a Norm MacDonald show and I watched three episodes. I watched it with uh, David Spade and I found that one quite funny. It was just, and he was like a, a terrible, terrible host, but sort of on purpose, and it was a really hokey set. Uh, and then another one with um, um, Chevy Chase. And there's a couple more that I'm going to watch. There's the Letterman one. I'm going to watch that when I get back. And I began to appreciate him a little bit more. And then last night, um, I listened while I was, I got a little high. Um, finished off the joint that was sent to me with The Rock from Vancouver. And... Um, put on the podcast of uh, Mark Marin, where he interviewed him in uh, 2011. So it was an old interview. I mean, uh, that's way back. <coughs> and I found it very interesting. He was like, he was, he was from a very poor family, rural Ontario, uh, an old farm that was, he called it a dead farm. His father's father's farm. Um, not a great education by any means, but most of all, what was so fascinating was how insecure he was. Like this phobia, told the story of uh, he couldn't look at anybody when he was a kid. He just couldn't face, couldn't terribly, terribly shy, debilitating shyness. And then one day, his father made him uh, lead help a um, a blind man to the store. And the blind man asked him to describe everything he saw. And he said that was like an epiphany or something. It just changed everything. He was now looking outward and uh, enjoying it. So that was kind of a neat story. Um, but still talking about the uh, some of his hang-ups and his fears and trying to become religious. It, it was good. It was engaging. And um, I thought um, Mark Maron did a pretty good job of uh, getting him to loosen up a little bit, tell some stories. 
All right, so that's how I spent my evening, but it was very, uh, it was kind of enjoyable. And then I uh, went in at 11 and thought, I'm kind of hungry. I, I realized I didn't really have a lunch, didn't really have a supper. Had a little chicken, had a sandwich. Hardly counts as a meal. Anyway, um, made some, I had some leftover pasta and microwaved that with some sauce, tossed in a little chicken. And uh, that was that. And uh, there you go. There's an update. Not all that interesting, but hey, these podcasts never are, and uh, it, it doesn't matter. It's it's my style, it's my thing, it's my way. And believe me, I've listened to others uh, that are more boring than this. I at, least, I at least try to dig in a little deeper and try to, you know, get to something that I'm actually really feeling or really dealing with. Uh, in real life, like I'm trying to be open and honest, and whether that's, uh, what am I trying to do? Sell it to you, you're already listening. Alright, so I've got my Henry Miller book out. I started The End of Eternity, uh, Isaac Asimov, a little paper book written back in 1955. It's amazing, he's really good. And... Uh, I'm just finding that easier than the more serious texts I have with me, or books. All right, I gotta make myself a uh, thermos of coffee. Yeah, man, there's a chill, there's a bit of a wind. Uh, mind you, it's it's early in the morning. It's not even eight o'clock, I don't think. Yeah, seven fifty-eight. So uh, stay tuned. Bye for now. Uh, yeah, finished my pot of coffee and I'm about to make breakfast, but I just wanted to uh, share something with you from one of the books I'm reading, The uh, the Unknown Henry Miller, A Seeker in Big Sur. But I'm also reading and enjoying uh, In Search of the Lost Chord, uh, The End of Eternity, The Asimov uh, Sci-Fi, and uh, Humanist Path by my friend from uh, my former church, West Hill United. Um takes a lot more work to sort of process the information because it's mainly just focusing on uh, Confucianism and uh, Tao the path and um, yeah it, it just takes concentration but the piece I wanted to uh, talk about was um, just a quote from Henry Miller and, and why I have respect for him and share the vision that uh, artistry is what's so important um, and you know, hopeful for the future of mankind is through the arts, the dreamers, the visionaries um, and Miller sees that his quote, he, this is from a period of about 1947-48 when he's living in Big Sur and uh, still you can't buy Tropic of Camp, Cancer, Tropic of Capricorn in America, they were considered obscene so he's writing a lot of essays and putting together bits and pieces and books that aren't getting a lot of attention. Um, okay, and he's, you know, he fell in love with France, of course. That's what gave him his life. Um, and he often compares it to America, where you can't even get a decent bread. Um, given that he perceived a decline in the American character over the course of the country's history, Miller foresaw a bleak American future, even more materially comfortable and technologically advanced, ever more spiritually empty. Quote, This is the beginning of a black cycle. The color is gray. The taste is neutral. Passion is dead. The future holds no promise except more war, more destruction, more catastrophe. End quote. Uh, the root of the problem is the American soul. Quote, the American in general is not seeking beauty, peace, well-being. I'm going to repeat that. Miller writing, the American in general is not seeking beauty, peace well-being. At heart, he is very much like those men who first invaded the continent, a plunderer, 
not only is he, is he exploiting the country's natural resources, again, this is like written in 1947, but he's also exploiting his fellow man. In the face of this ongoing desecration of what Miller considered to be the essential values of a meaningful life, Miller seeks and finds an alternate reality in art, and he imbues art and artists with an almost supranatural power to give life religious significance. I'll end there. It's time for me to go make my breakfast, but I just wanted to share a little bit with you from uh, what I'm reading. Maybe I'll read a little bit from uh, In Search of the Lost Chord as well, because that's... Uh, it's all about 1967, and it's pretty exciting. <coughs> Scarborough Dude, signing off. Well, damn it, damn it, damn it. I had the recorder going, and I gave you a very solid 15 minutes anyway. And I hadn't uh, pushed the button twice. And so it's gone. And it could not be repeated. And I'm about, you know, I mean, you can say that about anything on this show. Yeah, so what what difference does it really make? It doesn't to you at all. It doesn't make at all. But it, it makes a difference to me because I thought I I revealed some interesting things. We covered a lot of topics. And uh, it was very open. It was just as I was cusping sort of on the, uh, the, uh, the little bit of uh, mindset change you get after eating a quarter cookie. Anyway, I'm not going to repeat all that. Can't just. Uh, I'm just saying. For me, it's a disappointment because I thought, in terms of of, of an art, art, artistic expression, you know, it it it, it was authentic. It was real. Uh, and it was. I, I would. I would dare to say, parts are certainly engaging. But, anyway, I. I guess really that means I'm just talking to myself. Oh my God! Well, I, you know, I, I, I just don't feel like repeating it now. I think I'm just going to sit here and drink my beer, if you don't mind. Thank you very much. Elvis has left the building. You know how beautiful the silence is after. Uh, the power more stops. It's kind of funny, but where we're camped here, this part of the park, you have to sort of you go in one uh, entrance to register, and then if you're in this particular campground, I'm in this loop. These loops, um, you have to go down the highway and then drive into the campground, and then I see where I am on the river. Um, very narrow at this point. Um, just across the way are private cottages. People, that's where the mowing was coming from. Um, those people, yeah, like they didn't, uh, you know, that park, that part wasn't expropriated. They didn't sell whatever. So there's a little strip, it would seem, between the two park parts of uh, cottage goers. <laughs> Not a very important piece of information for you to have. It's just when you go to the river, you look across and you see all these, uh, you know, Adirondack chairs. Some of you Canadians have another name for those. Um, yeah, and it's, uh, you know, hey, that's not a park. Oh, you're back. Maybe just had a beer break. So, I was uh, about to tell you that I should not have eaten that cookie, and I, I don't, I probably should not have, but I, I won't learn that until I, until I learn that, and uh, just stop doing it. Because each time when I take the, uh, even a quarter cookie, I get, I feel I get a little too high, a little shaky, a little, not physically shaky, but a little, um, a little frightful. Uh, other people have reported similar effects. You know, responses, and and I guess it's it's you know really strong stuff, but it does it it, it acts. I don't know, me it acts on even part of the brain. I don't know, but uh, 
I feel a little, uh, a little uncomfortable. But you know you got to write it out. And uh, I guess, what's the uncomfortable part? Maybe the, the thoughts you're thinking, is that it? That they're, uh, they're dark? Oh, I hope not. I hope there's room for brightness in your life. It is, it is frightening, though. I mean, when you really consider the human situation, it's quite frightening. There's a lot of uh, a lot of hatred out there. You might be in a nice little bubble that's relative bliss, as I am now in a private provincial park. Is this 102? This is 104, I think. 104. So it's right that one. It should be one. That should be 102. That one, I think. I think so. Yep, uh, it's right up at the front. Got a new neighbor moving into 102. Fellow with a pickup and a trailer. And uh, uh, you may have heard that. I don't know. Ask me which is which. And uh, we agreed. I talked to him. I walked over to the electrical po- electrical post we share and uh, said, "Oh my God! Yeah, he's a long trailer." It's going to be a fucker getting that in. I said, you uh, you know, you might you might want to make that loop around and come at it the other way. Which he's going to try to do. But the people uh, last night just stayed the one night. They had trouble getting it. I had trouble even just finding the thing. But uh, anyway, not like those vehicles with trailers. Oh, my God. All right. Uh Anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm just you know a little bit, a uh, little bit. It puts this this stuff puts a bit of an edge on you, and you feel ooh, I don't know, not not jumpy, but uh, yeah, doesn't uh, it just it feels electrical. Now I don't remember. I mean, I mean the old days of boy smoking hash. You just you just got lost in space, and you you were quite happy with that. Uh, the sounds, I mean, it was all about sounds. Put on the headphones and uh, listen to Pink Florida, the Beatles, and just, uh, you know, while you're high and just, uh, you know, boy, you're out in space with those notes and sounds. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, my God, a huge Colorado trailer and a couple of bikes behind uh, attached. Yeah, oh boy, he's stuck now. He's 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 he's, uh, he's up on a hill. He's not not even on the right road for it. They are really narrow roads. They're one way. Even when I came in from coming down from the highway uh, to get in, there was you know somebody was blocking my way, and we just we just face to face. Unfortunately, he backed away. And uh, anyway, oh, I see other trailers coming in also long. They're probably cursing this uh, this part of the park. I guess some of these are they're meant to be drive through, but you just got to get on the right angle, the right road. And each road seems to be each um, yeah each site has a front road and a back road. So dealer's choice. Oh, he's coming around again. Oh, but this time it'll be the different way. There's an ass on that thing. <laughs> it is so big. There's got to be a private bedroom back there. They just added that on or a granny suite. It's huge, this trailer. I, I better not talk to the guy. I better not. Although I have no firewood. Anyway, I, I mean, I, I know I'm going to get into a, a good place. I, you know, that's that's a given. But it's just it's it, it just takes a while to get there. You know, a good half hour just to get in the groove. It happens every time. Here he comes. I don't I don't want to be seen to be talking, but uh, well, nothing to avoid. But it does probably does look strange if you see a guy sitting and camping. He's holding a microphone and talking. Uh, you know, who we camp beside? At the RCMP. All right, Scarborough dude. Yeah, feeling uh, a little better. We're getting, getting, getting in the getting, getting in the groove again. I'll just uh, sit back and listen to the uh, neighbor across the way mow his lawn. 
Yeah, hard to believe. I was here with uh, with the boys in Nalco, with the blue canoe, and uh, put it in the water here and uh, paddled. I just have no real good memories of that. Somebody else checking in. Oh, transit. What make a transit? It could be a road track. Transit. Yeah. Anyway, boys and girls, and again back to uh, reading. Oh, all right, all right. Here, the thing that wasn't recorded, and that I read. And I'm gonna have to read it to you again. I can find the damn thing again. It's about Kennedy. And we went through this whole thing just a little while ago, and that was the piece that didn't get recorded. All right, Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy. Oh, that part of Kennedy. Yeah. There's a couple of them. There's some good... Oh, no. I, I'm never going to find it. Forget it. Road to Vietnam. Liberation Magazine. And Goldman, the Cold War. Joel Goodman. Pop Radio. All right. McCarthyism. Free Speech Movement. <sighs> Okay, well, you won't get it because you uh, can't find it. And I don't want to look anymore. Signing off once again. Uh, sitting here in uh, Sobble Falls Provincial Park. I should do I should. Be, I should be doing Well, in a way, I am doing a provincial park podcast. Not saying much about the park. Lots of trees. Nice little river. It's it feels old and I like the narrow roads that are hard uh, to get in and out of. And uh, considerable privacy and good sizes too. Like this is this this seems like old style, an old park. So but uh, anyway we were leaving? Yes, we were, I think. Didn't say much about the park, did you? No, you know, hey, I'm here. That's enough. What do you want to know? Lots of good information out there if you want that. That's not what this is. Just happened to be in a park. Well, all right. Talk to you later. Good morning. It is Tuesday, September 21st, a uh, day after the election here in Canada. And uh, for those not up on the news, Trudeau won a minority government. It means he has to work with the other parties, uh, the Greens and the NDP, to try and get things done. Uh, not the outcome they were looking for, but it was very, it was foolish, it was rash. It was a, a poor decision on the uh, part of the Liberal Party or Trudeau himself to call an election at this time, thinking. I mean, they were ahead in the polls before calling the election, doing well because of the handling of COVID and so on. And then to go and build on that was a miscalculation. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, minority governments are not a bad thing in Canada because it means compromise and dialogue and cooperation and uh, more voices putting uh, input into decision-making and uh, a lot of things. The um, What would not have been good news would had uh, the Conservatives won or even won a a majority, but uh, that was not going to happen. Anyway, enough of politics. I'm um, sitting outside the road track. It's, uh, like I say, about 9 a.m. The wasp comes. As soon as you bring out anything that's got sugar in it, they're around. Uh, i got my cup of coffee going, or a little thermos of coffee now. And I've uh, been reading a little bit. I'm really enjoying this um, Asimov book, uh, The End of Eternity. It's just, they just create concepts 
you know, for you to think about. And and this, it's a lot to do with the, well, they talk about reality change. People, these eternals can intervene in the course of history and change things. Just one little thing. And, of course, it's got this ripple effect. Uh, and that whole idea is the thing that's fascinating me about life anyway, that any decision you make um, just has these these ripples, and you just don't know where they go to. And, you know, it's like that, you know, the woman who got in the elevator in Hong Kong with the guy who was bringing uh, SARS in from mainland China. Had she not gone in that elevator, she wouldn't have bought it at Scarborough, and I wouldn't have lost a year's business. And all the rape percussions that went with that. All the 16-year-old girls who didn't get to come to Canada. And you, it's impossible to calculate. And that's, the, of course, I guess one of the themes of the book. They've got mathematicians and all these specialists trying to map out the ripples of every little change you make in reality. So, you you know, you, just, you apply it back to your own life and uh, think about those things. I was reflecting, just, you know, going to Japan, marrying a Japanese woman, taking her out of Japan, bringing her to Canada, raising children here. All that is such a... (laughs) I don't know. It's just, uh, it's an event. I mean, it could have just been so different. You know, of everything... And all the things that led up to me even meeting Naoko, you know, just one little chance and everything changes. Everything's different. Your future is completely different. And you don't know. And that that's the thing. It's like there's an infinite number of possibilities in the ways your life can unfold. And every choice you make does have an impact. And but scarier the choices the people around you make you know those who pull out a gun and start shooting into a crowded uh, group of party goers you know oh somebody's going to be paralyzed for life that's too bad what's that going to do to uh, the kid's father or whatever you know the the kid's son anyway enough of that Um, and I'm also reading um, the Miller book I'm going to read one more passage from Miller because it's my favorite. The turning point for me, the peak of Miller's work, was the rosy crucifixion, the three books, Nexus, Plexus, and Sexus. I I think this was just, this is the top in terms of all his writing and, you know, all his life. So the chapter I've just opened to is called The Rosy Crucifixion, subtitled This Bloody Business of Censorship. So I'll just read a couple of paragraphs. In February 1949, five years after coming to Big Sur with the intention of completing his major autobiographical opus, The Rosy Crucifixion, Miller sent to his agent in France the manuscript of Sexus, book one of the projected trilogy about his tortured and transforming relationship with his second wife, June Mansfield. The idea for the epic work had been germinating in Miller over 20 years since an evening in 1927 when, in a fever of inspiration, he had written extensive notes outlining its form and content. He had drawn from this well of material in Tropic of Capricorn, but had not plumbed its depths. Miller regarded the completion of this work as a crucial a necessary step in his evolution as an artist and human being. And that's very important there, because the two are linked uh, in Miller's world. He was writing the book to exhume his past, to purify himself of it, so that he could live more fully and completely in the present. He had often expressed to friends the hope that completing the rosy crucifixion might liberate him from the need to write and enable him to join the ranks of those who had mastered the art of living. When he reported to Durrell, that's Lawrence Durrell, that he had finished Sexus and was halfway through Plexus, he anticipated the moment when he would be free of the need to tell the story of his life. Then I am off into the blue, joy through work hereafter, no more compulsion, no more compulsion, 
I will be emptied. I'll leave it there. It's just an exciting chapter for me to be reading. And um, so, my camping trips, as you can see, they're not about hiking or exploring or checking out the surrounding areas. It's to come to a place, set up camp, put up my chairs, uh, get my books out, and then, of course, have whatever drinks I decide to consume. And it's fewer and fewer, believe me. Um, and um, probably a, a talk or a cookie. And I concluded last night that, you know, maybe I should give up the uh, the talk part, especially the cookie, which, which does get me... It gets me high, but it takes me quite a while to... And maybe it's these particular cookies that maybe the percentage of THC or the kind, I don't know. But it, it has a, um, it affects me both ways. It takes quite a while for me to get into the groove and into, okay, okay, this is interesting. Uh, and I go through a bit of a struggle at first every time. Um, last night, I don't know if I reported this or not. I don't know what I've said. It's It's impossible to keep track when you're just picking this thing up at random times and talking. Uh, I talked to somebody who was in a, in in trouble um, mentally, I guess. Uh, a person who was fragile to start with and was dealing with... I don't know. It, it, they were... They were very real. It was like... It was sort of like, you know, we, we live on... We live with lacy curtains in our lives you know, we don't see through the window clearly there's something in the way, there's something there's filters, there's things we do and this person, it's, it appeared had all the filters removed and it was just dealing with stark reality and and it, it, it um, there was something just so true and right and natural about it and something that was I guess a little disturbing too. Pretty hard to explain. Uh but anyway, somebody in 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 trouble. Um and and um you know, hopefully a right combination of, of medicine might um help this person but at at present um they were they were in trouble. So that was sort of that helped me actually, and it's one of the reasons I called this person that I knew it would be a, it wouldn't be a conversation of just little superficialities. This would be something raw, and um, I tried to thank her for that, but um, this person was pretty single-minded and wasn't up to receiving thanks or anything else other than getting message out. Okay, park that. Uh, so anyway, I, also the other thing that just makes me a bit lazy. So I sat there and I, I didn't get the wood for a second fire. And the thing is, I had a fire the first night it was enjoyed. I just burned the, the last of the wood that I had. Um, if I'd had more wood, I would have had a bigger fire the first night, and and maybe I would have had a, another fire the second night, but. As it was, I kind of sat a whole lot of trailers pulled up. They all had their lights on. And I sat out sort of in the middle of the field, not under the tarp I'm under now, and kind of looked up at the trailers and their lights in this little village that's here, and then put the light on on my own road track and sat facing Sal, thinking about it, thinking about when I have to sell it and how the sale of this thing might pay for some of the changes I might need to make in our house if I... If I stay and and uh, if we stay and if the uh, if I do need you know a new downstairs washing, I, mean, I thought this morning when I woke up, oh, if I'm gonna do that, man, get one of those Japanese toilets, you know, the ones with the uh, the uh, anal wash and everything else. That, uh, I think there's another term for that, but uh, you know, the hot the hot streams of waters, the things that are used in commonplace in Japan that we haven't caught on to here yet. And uh, that would be probably a good thing. Uh, anyway, the sale of the road track would, you know, would would help. Or you know, when the time comes, I'm pretty optimistic. 
I've got to get, I don't know, my fan, it worked last night, suddenly it was working again, and then it stopped, so I don't know what that problem is, uh, the ceiling fan, but it's a thing that you really need, it's very, very handy, especially when you're cooking, um, so that's got to be attended to, and then this uh, macerator, which I'll notice when I leave here in a little while, and try and dump my tanks, this is the uh, the kind of park I've mentioned in others. You know, you just, you just you're a man. You just piss outside when no one's around. Uh, this park, it's just so open to like two roadways. Even though it feels like there's privacy, um, there's not a spot where you could go with without being seen if somebody happened to be outside their trailer or whatever. So I've been using the uh, indoor toilet. <laughs> just to uh, keep you up to date on the little things in my life. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to get back to some reading. I've got my second cup of coffee. I just had my boiled egg. I always bring boiled eggs camping. That's a good thing. Easy. Got the coffee in the thermos so it'll stay hot. I'm going to read a little more and then... Um, what did I say the time was? About nine? Oh, that's why i got lots of time. Uh, the decision I'm facing today is, do I make pancakes or not? Uh, I should, before doing that, the kitchen is, I, I, here's, here's the thing. I'm sort of a one-person camper, and things just get put everywhere. They just get put on the seat. Uh, the chairs get brought into the front at night. There's a spot where my books go. There's a spot where my recorder goes. My hats go on the driver's seat. Uh, the bed never gets made up. The clothes are back there. The sleeping bag. I've got a barbecue propane burner or the stove that's in here that's in the way all the time that I was supposed to bring out last night, but it was too lazy because of the dope. Um, and then clothes, when they come off at night, get thrown on this chair. And then the kitchen. I use a dish, and I get another one. I get another one. I get another one. And the sink is full. The counter space is covered with things that I'm using. So it's a disaster. It would not, I mean, what I'm saying is if there was another person here, they wouldn't be able to live with this. My wife would not be able to live with this. And maybe this is sort of the other me because at home everything has to, you know, put a, you don't leave a dish in the sink. It gets washed right away. Um, it always has to be, everything has to be tidy and in its place. And so maybe I just, when I come here, I just, uh eh, I feel like an old man at his, uh, you know, hunting lodge or cottage or something, and a shack, really. It's just more like a shack, and things are just left lying around, and it's comfortable. And then, you know, I clean up when I have to. Before I get on the road, every every dish will be put away. Everything will be clean and tidy. I'll do it. But I'm not going to do it continually. I'm sort of doing it until it's built up to the point where it's at now, where, hey, I can't cook a pancake unless I clean up the kitchen. All right? So there's more details about uh, the uh, just the the myriad of little bits of information that you just don't need to know, but I can't stop sharing. <sighs> Scarborough dude, I'm gonna pour another coffee and uh, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna go back to the the other book. Gosh, 15 minutes. I'll have a whole podcast here. I don't know if I read that Kennedy passage or not, which, yeah, I guess I did. I think I found it and read it. Um, it's pretty interesting. It's a refresher course in, in the hippie era, but in particular 1967, but it's, it does a nice job of what led up to it, um, what followed, you know, and, and the details, rich in details about who did what, names that you know, and then names that were in the sidelines you forgot about, uh, things about, you know, the diggers, the the fugs, the group the fugs, uh, the Berkeley free speech movement, and uh, it's it's an important, it's a piece of history, and it's, it's partly my history, stuff I remember, you know. Here's a, this is a random, this is a silly page, this is, I haven't got to this part yet, but I'm just reading it. At almost exactly the same date, what was the date? Uh, gosh, it's into LSD. Oh, never mind. At almost exactly the same date, Donovan's Mellow Yellow album was released. A few months earlier, the title song 
had been a hit single, so everyone in the hip world knew the lyric, Electrical Banana is Gonna Be a Sudden Craze. Years later, Donovan revealed that he was referring to a banana-shaped vibrator that had just been produced in England, but having heard the about the banana-smoking rumors in America just before the album's release, he was coy about it in interviews at the time, and he succeeded in making himself seem like he was ahead of the curve. He wasn't. That's a silly passage to read. Um, all right, well, so that's what happens. Sometimes you read a passage, so I've got to share that, and sometimes you read one and you don't have to share it, but you do anyway, because you don't prepare for the uh, for the Dixon Jane's podcast. Uh, here's Huxley. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this part. Wow, there's a lot on uh, on um, uh, Huxley and LSD and uh, yeah. Yet Huxley was carefully calibrated in his spiritual claims. I'm not so foolish as to equate what happens under the influence of mescaline or any other drug, prepared or in the future preparable, preparable with the realization of the end and ultimate purpose of human life, enlightenment, the beatific, beatific vision. I'm sorry, I know that word, but beatific, beat, beatific, beatific vision. I'm sorry, I'm so embarrassed, I can't pronounce that, and I'm hearing Anthony Marco and uh, Dave um, saying it correctly. All I am suggesting is that the mescaline experience is what Catholic theologists call a gratuitous grace, not necessary to salvation, but potentially helpful, and to be accepted thankfully if made available. Yeah, Huxley made psychedelics with a sense of discretion that would not be shared by the more flamboyant Dr. Timothy Leary, a brilliant Harvard psychology professor with a restless mind who was intrigued by the use of psilocybin mushrooms in religious rites by the indigenous Mazatec Indians of Mexico. Okay, you know where that's going. Um, so, yeah, this cover did signing off. Jesus, I've gone on long enough. Hope you're okay, you folks out there. I hope, uh, I know everybody deals with depression, anxiety. I, I think pretty well everybody I know, one way or another, insecurities. It is... It is the nature of the beast. It is human life, and uh, and we just find our ways of uh, of you know facing it. I heard I was listening to Bearded and Bored. I recommend that podcast again. Bearded and Bored. Just look at. He's doing a great job of just interviewing people and friends usually, and they sit around, they talk, and uh, one of the guys he was asking was a teacher, and it was about you know just getting through life, and. Uh, I think he used the word just step up, step up to reality, something like that. You know, step up, you got to face reality, and, and when you do, you get stronger, and the stronger makes you capable of doing more things, and, and you gain further strength with each success, you know, and that is, it's, I've certainly learned that. You know, anything you avoid is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, it becomes a monster, and you've got you've got to turn and face, okay, what is it? that I'm afraid of? What is it that's troubling me? Look look at it, you know, and then suddenly it becomes less threatening, less ominous, less less frightening. Just, just you, you, okay, hey, whoa, maybe this isn't as bad as I thought it was. Maybe this is, there is a way of, you know, taming this thing, getting this monkey off my back. All right. Here's your words of wisdom from the Scarborough dude. Bye for now. From uh, signing out from uh, Sobble Falls Provincial Park. Lovely spot. Bye bye. Now you know that you are. Friends that you've been 
Always. 